the second Sunday of Easter, one of the readings comes from the first letter of Peter. And that's what I'm basing my address on today. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3 through to verse 9. And this uh, reading talks about the new birth, the new life that we have through the resurrection of Christ. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. This is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested like fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is much more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honour on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him, even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, I've celebrated many Easter's and for that matter many Christmases and birthdays in places that people would call isolated. You know, away from the usual things that make those times a celebration. Some people used to feel quite sorry for me and say, Poor Greg, no presents, no parties, no chocolates or cakes or cards or all of the usual things you think of when you need to have a celebration. What does it feel like to have all of the familiar things gone? Can you still celebrate? Can you still rejoice? Well, yes, I could. What is it that makes it a celebration? What is important for it to be a celebration? What makes you happy, joyful, despite having what you're used to taken away? Perhaps you know some young people have gone on a special short-term uh, mission trip or school trip somewhere in Africa or somewhere in Asia. And sometimes they come back and say something like this. I couldn't believe how happy they are when they've got nothing. Well, of course, it's not that, they, that, that they've got nothing. <laughs> Maybe uh, they don't have the things that we might think make us happy or would make them happy. 
perhaps. Some schools and youth groups go on camps where they have to be without their mobile phones, without power and without all the mod cons and some, some people find that quite difficult at the start. But at the end, people come to appreciate a lot of things and enjoy experiences they never thought they would enjoy. In our reading today from the first letter of Peter, Peter writes to Christians who we might feel sorry for and think that they surely couldn't find joy in what they're going through. These Christians, Peter says, are living as foreigners, resident aliens living in a place but without the rights of the citizens of that place. And these Christians are dispersed. They're not all living in one place. They're spread out. They're isolated. Now, Peter can't set up, set up some sort of Zoom conference with them, and he can't do some kind of um, YouTube live, uh, Facebook or live stream to them. To these isolated Christians, he writes a letter. And it's like a circular letter. It gets carried from one place to the next, read by one group, and then passed on to the next group. So you've got Christians in isolation, living without all the things that others might have, and they're suffering. Peter says that they endure trials and that they're being tested. God is protecting them, yes. But Peter isn't saying that if they pray, and they have faith, they won't suffer. If you pray and have faith, you won't get coronavirus. Have you heard people say something like that? In this current situation, maybe you've heard something like that. But Peter doesn't say anything like that. He does say God protects his people. And immediately we think, we might think, oh, that means nothing bad will happen to them. But remember, Peter writes to an isolated group of people dispersed throughout the area without all the, the things that people, other people might have and they are suffering. They had all sorts of things happen to them. They were persecuted, they got sick, they died, but God protected them. How can that be? How could Peter write something like that? Well, for one thing, God is with them. They are not alone. And God is with you. And you are not alone. And what they are going through, and also what you are going through, is not all there is. It's not the whole story. Peter tells them of what God has done for them and what God guarantees them in the future. And that changes how they live their life now. It puts another perspective on what they're going through now. This looking back to what God has done and looking forward to what God will do, Peter suggests, changes the way they live their life now. It means they are protected now. They can celebrate now. They can be joyful now. With that perspective of looking back to what God has done and looking forward to what God will do. It's interesting that to these suffering, isolated and dispersed Christians, Peter focuses them on what God has done. Some people focus on what they have done. 
like, I've done something wrong, so why is the, so maybe that's why this is happening to me. Or others might have this kind of thinking too and point the finger. They've done something wrong, and so this is happening to them. Who sinned? You or someone in your family? So this is happening to you. Quite a common way of thinking, and among some Christians too. But Peter, to these suffering Christians, puts their focus on what God has done. The verse before our text tells us, God chose you. They might be rejected by human beings, living as foreigners, resident aliens, rejected by humans, but they are chosen by God. This is what God has done. And then verse 3 says that by God's great mercy, we have been born anew, given a new life, a new existence. God gives this. And Peter goes on to share with us that this new life has its basis in what God has done, raising Jesus Christ from the dead. So it's not about me. It's not about you and what you have done or not done. But it's about what God has done. And Peter, getting straight into the basis of it, says it's a new life in Jesus Christ who God raised from the dead. Now these are solid God initiatives and solid God done things which you can trust in and cling to even when and if the things you do or don't do or the things you have or don't have collapse around you. God has done this. You can depend on that. And Peter also says the same about the future for Christians. There's an ultimate destiny. There is a future for God's people. There's a future for you. Peter describes it as a priceless inheritance. And he says it's beyond the reach of change and decay. Once again, Peter doesn't present this as wishful thinking. He doesn't present it as depending on something you do or something that you have. It's not a wishful thinking that someday things will be better, but a trust in what God will do, that God has a plan, that God will restore. And it's based on the sure and certain things that he has done for you, that God has done for you. It's what God has done for you and will do for you that Peter points you to. So that you can live your life now with a God has done, God will do perspective now. Even if and even when all the things you do or have collapse. Like right now, this coronavirus thing, it feels like a challenge, a test, a trial that you are going through. People are feeling isolated feeling anxious about the unknown and wondering about what really will last in this world. All the things that we got used to, will they last? And the way of life we got used to living, that life that we thought was solid and would last. This text is challenging us today. Can you celebrate? Can you rejoice at times like this? What can you celebrate and what can you rejoice about? 
With this text, you can know that you are not the first Christians to face uncertain and anxious times. Suffering is not new to Christians. Physical suffering and mental suffering too. And let's face it, Christians have suffered far worse. To suffering Christians, Peter gives quite a few celebration words. And you can hear them. I'm going to read some of them to you. Peter says, All praise and honour to God. Truly be glad. There is a wonderful joy. And he says, Much praise and glory and honour. You rejoice with a glorious and inexpressible joy. Well, all this is obviously not dependent on what you do or don't do, what you have or don't have. Those things we are beginning to see can be taken away. They won't last. They aren't as solid and dependable as we once thought. But Peter points us to look to God, what he has done, what he has given to you. So what can you thank God for? What has he given you that gives you joy and brings you hope, even in the times when you are anxious or suffering? What are those gifts of God to you that continue no matter what you go through? Peter, in this letter, points you to what God has done for you. Peter points you to Jesus, who God raised to life and tells you that in Jesus, God gives you a new life with a guaranteed future. And that this new life is kept and protected for you. It can't be destroyed. It can't be changed by any of the trials and tests that you go through. God has done it. God has given it. And that's what transforms your life. And that gives you life. That gives you joy in your life. And that's what you can celebrate. Amen.